Good evening, Spurs people. Uh, Steve Perriman here on the Steve Perriman podcast, as ever. Um, as usual, we have Tom and Howard. Um, and of course, they're always relevant, but especially today because we are honoured and excited to have Mr. Alex Inglethorpe. Um, and we're going to talk about Harry and player development, Harry Kane. Um, Alex had something to do with uh, Harry's younger days. And of course, Tom and Howard have seen almost every game that, that uh, Harry's played. So it should be an interesting show. Uh, really looking forward to it. And um, Alex, welcome. You're very, very welcome here. We are delighted to to speak to you, aren't we, chaps? We certainly are. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, Alex, could you just tell us, um, just to make it relevant, um, could you just tell us our link, my link with you, where it started, when it started, and then that, that leads us on to other things? Of course. Well, good evening, Sophia. Thank you for inviting me on. Um, wow. I'm going, to try, I'm going to try and do this justice. And it's awkward because you're here, Steve, so... No, no compliments, no compliments, just Well, I'm going to give you one compliment. Well, I'm going to give you a couple, actually, because I've got to get this right, because for me, you know, you are my my footballing father. I've known you 32 years. I was 19 at Watford when you became manager. And I think I've always said, or you've always said, that, you know, I'm not sure what you saw in me as a player, other than you did give me a a bit more time there, which I'm I'm always grateful for. But, you know, I wasn't first name on the team sheet, that's for sure. But... um, I guess you must have seen something in me because sort of 10 years later when you, you know, you come to Exeter as, um, as a, initially as a consultant, I think, then it was, it was fantastic to reconnect. And I think um, you've been very, very gracious and very generous with your time, you know, in terms of helping to mentor me through those years. And so you were first, a player at that time, Alex. You were I was a player. A player. At, at I was a player. And actually... <laughs> I remember you saying to me that um, you sort of said, Alex, you used to be a bit of a goal scorer, always on the last line. And you've really changed. You've, you've sort of like, you've dropped deeper. You know, I see a lot in you. I'm, I'm going, for, going for a job in the Premier League. If I get it, I'm going to take you. I just see something there that I think I could, you know, be, I want to maybe satisfy my curiosity with better players, maybe a bit better, you know, um, maybe have, you know, because you could sort of fulfil your potential. Anyway, I'm waiting all over the summer for the phone call that you've become a Premier League manager. And I think last knockings, I got a call from you to say, well, sorry, Alex, it's not gone that way, but I'm going to Japan. I've got three Brazilians there, so I can't quite take you. So two weeks later, I've become <laughs> Leatherhead's player manager in Ryman League Division 2 on 50 quid a week. So that was my big sliding doors moment. I was nearly there, but not quite. Um, and then a few years later, you we kept in touch and I had, if I look back now, I think to myself, I had no right to get the call to say, would you like to interview for the Exeter job? But you made the call to me and, and, um, and at this I, time you are Leighton Orient's youth coach. I'm Leighton Orient's youth coach. So there's no real link or no real reason why Leighton Orient's youth coach should, um, should perhaps become Exeter's first team manager. But you, you certainly took more than a chance by recommending that I at least have an interview. 
And, I um, thought you might be cheap. <laughs> you were right, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was affordable and willing, and I didn't mind the fact we we're a million pound in debt and a transfer embargo. And able. None of that really scared me. So, um, and then had a fantastic 18, 18 months, two years there. And then got the opportunity to work at Tottenham as the under 18 coach. And you've you've been helping me ever since, helping me with all the big decisions I've had around, you know, to you know, choosing which job next. And you know, I'd like to think we we still speak probably once a week, once every two weeks, we're we're in touch. Absolutely. I just had a bit of meat on the bone there, Alex. I first noticed you when you played for Watford's youth team against Brentford, my youth team. Yeah. Um, in that semi-final, the FA Youth Cup, we just threw this team together. Yeah. So I was new into the job. We just took players that have been discarded by all sorts of London clubs. Some would have been your Watford teammates, Buckle and people like that. Yeah. So um, you you beat us in that semi-final. You did you play Liverpool in the in the final? Yeah, I was only a bit part in that team. I sort of came on as a sub. I scored. A, I think I actually scored in the semi-final. Um, yeah, later right. on. But um, yeah, do you know what? I found out I started to speak. Stephen Manman works at the academy, and he played in that quarter final against okay. us. So I think that okay. um, David James as well. So it was a, it was a good youth team that we had. Um, yeah. But so was Brentford's as well at the time. Yeah, we we uh, we give give as good as we got. That's for sure. So um, and Alex was. This is for the Spurs people, the listeners. I assume there's Spurs people out there. Um, Alex was the manager of Exeter City. I think it was 2004 uh, when we got to the third round of the FA Cup. I'm not sure we deserved to be in the third round of the Cup, but we were. We got there. And uh, we got the famous draw against Manchester United. In more ways than one, we drew nil-nil at Old Trafford in front of 69,000 people. So we got the, uh, the replay back at uh, St. James Park. And the two games uh, earned our club a million pounds. That's right, Alex, isn't it? Yeah. million yeah. pounds. And I think we were about three weeks from going under before that third round game. So um, so we've been through a lot together. And yeah, and now we come to today. But actually, we're not going to talk about today. We want to talk about um, Harry Kane. Yeah. Chaps, you, you were at the game uh, last weekend. How was the atmosphere there when Harry broke the record? It was amazing. It was, um, it was, it felt like he, the, the love for him in that, in that moment when he scored the goal and at the end when everyone stayed behind, um, I think, you know, there's been, there's been a little wobble along the way in, in the last couple of years in terms of his relationship with, with the Spurs fans. But I think um, the, the look on his face, the, the, the fact everyone stayed in their seats at the end to 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 just really celebrate his achievement, um, and the fact we got the win, yeah a good win as well obviously contributed I think to the good mood, um, but um, but yeah I think everyone there was just appreciating what a wonderful wonderful player we've had and no one no one I mean we m- might hear differently from 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 Alex but certainly not many people I know ever saw that coming um, into when he first um, missed that penalty sure. against Hearts in two thousand eleven. Howard, did you cry? Me? Of course. <laughs> Vivian, maybe. Yeah, no, she wouldn't. She's hard as nails. Yeah. 
and you enjoyed the experience of Harry speaking at the end of the game. And of course, it Absolutely. was a good, a good win. Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly as uh, Tom was saying, yeah, really great atmosphere and clearly mutual affection between us all and him. Whether that persuades him to stay or not, obviously, I don't know. But uh, for the moment, it's great. Yeah, maybe Alex can give us some clues on that. Who knows? So, Alex, would you tell us, please, your your first recollection of Harry Kane? Um, what had happened to him when he joined you, when he was under your wing as such? And because you were the youth coach for Harry during the YTS days, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. So I joined Tottenham as the under-18 coach. And part of that was um, John McDermott, who's the academy manager. Uh, used to like me working with an age group, a different age group during the week, one evening a week. So my first sort of like um, experience of that was working with the under-14s when I first joined. And, and Harry was in that group. So given he's a summer birthday, he would have been about 13 years of age. Um, yeah. You know, and I'd like to say, I mean, I've, I've I think I've always had a, I think at Tottenham, he taught me, a, you know, Tottenham taught me a lot of things. Um, we certainly learned to value the, the late developer. We learned to value the, um, the ones who maybe aren't quite there at, at younger age groups. And I think Harry was our best lesson in that, or certainly my first lesson in that. Um, you know, if you talk about silver medalists, you know, Harry wasn't even on the podium. He would have been middle of the group in terms of, um, I guess what you you know in terms of impact he could have on a game or impact he'd have on training sessions. Would you call him a slow burner? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There was, there, was, there was better players of his age when you first saw him, for instance. More effective players. Yeah. That's for okay. sure. Um he hadn't grown into his body. I think the first time that we sort of like checked ourselves is when he's Dad came in for a parents' meeting. He had to duck under the door to get in, and you're thinking, "Okay, well, you're going to be tall, you know. You're not this. You're not quite going to be. You're not going to live in the body that you've got as a 13 year old forever." So, I think that caught everybody's interest. And then, I suppose I, I had more time with him as an under 16. We took him to a tournament in in Mexico in Guadalajara. So that was probably the first time I got to spend a little bit more sort of considered time and we took a really good group out there and I think um we, we all learned lots but you know a lot of the that group went on to represent the club but I think could the thing you, that could you name could was, you name could you name some of those players yeah for sure so, so I think um Adam Smith in now plays for Bournemouth as a right back Ryan Mason yeah. went Andros Townsend went Stephen Corker went um obviously Harry went as a as an under 16 so Harry would have been the youngest in that age group we took him along as a was a really young one. Um, yeah. And then there's a there's probably a few others that have played, you know, Yasser Kasim or you know, sure. Butcher, except Tom Carroll would have gone on Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Um, and I think the thing that struck me with Harry then is as, as an under-16, he didn't play loads of minutes out there, but when he did play, he scored. So he scored in a, you know, we end up finished third, which I think was a, was an amazing achievement. I think it's sort of like the best Europeans, you know, sort of standing that had been in the competition. But he, like he'd come on and he would score a goal, and it it was, I suppose he he just had a way of affecting the game and a way of, you know, being in the right place at the right time. Even though he was playing probably two or three years, you know, below himself. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So sorry about that. That was my daughter. No problem. How is she? 
Joe, she's fine. She's fine. So um, I take it that there was people in front of him, young players in front of him, almost at every age. Yeah, he's. Um, I think it was really when he got into the youth team that people started taking a bit more note of him. Um, yeah. And I think the thing that if, if someone says to me now, so I, I definitely don't want to come across here, Steve, and think that people are thinking that I have, you know, um, there's any sort of credit that I have in terms of his development. I you know, openly say that Harry's best coach, what anyone ever tells you, has always been himself. He's been his best coach. Um, what I have, if, if there is anything that you think you've added, it's I allowed him to practice. I didn't stop him. And I hopefully fueled it a little bit. So I'd go and get the balls out of the bushes and go again. And, and Harry was always one of those players that, you know, has always been like five more, like last one. Yeah, two, two, two more, two more shots. Like, no, last one, he was that sort of player. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think in the end, that's what you admire most about him is his dedication to practice and his dedication to improvement. <laughs> and he is stupidly competitive, off is the he? scale competitive. Is he? Yeah. I remember, so I don't know whether, whether you want to hear this, but it's like, this is true. I walked out onto the pitch once and he was under 15, something like that. He was in in the afternoon. There's a ball there in front of me. So, you know, I was all right. So I, I pinged the ball to him and it, right to him. And, he, and he's only young. And do you know what? He's in one back at me. And I thought, okay. So I did it again. And he's only young. So, and then he did it back to me. And each one, and I was thinking, this is, I'm actually under a bit of pressure here because he's obviously now this is the first one to make a mistake. And yeah. I'm thinking, I'm not really sure how many of these I've got in me that are, yeah. that are any good. And it it blinks first. And it went backwards and forwards. And I was thinking, are you really back? You know, that's, he wouldn't say anything to you off the pitch, but on the pitch, he didn't off back himself. Yeah, he had he had a real belief and a real um, it wasn't an arrogant swagger, but it was a it was a it was a competitive spirit that I don't see too often. Yeah. Um, and, I, and when I do see a lad with it, it really it it gets me interested. Um, yeah, sometimes we assume that people that make it are competitive. Yeah. But yeah. there's levels of competitiveness, isn't there? Absolutely. And he's he's top of the tree. That that's the way you're explaining him. Top of the tree in terms of that competitiveness. Yeah. So when you think about him aiming for Jimmy Greaves' record, and now aiming for the next and the next and the England situation, yeah. Yeah. that's that's probably a driver for him, isn't it? Absolutely. Shearer's record, Rooney's record, Jimmy Greaves' yeah. record. You know, no doubt that you know there's there's um there's a drive there, and, that, and I think what that allows you to do, if you think about it, it sort of it allows you to connect the dots as a player, doesn't it? Because that then fuels how you practice. If you have a if you have a main driver or a main purpose, if you work backwards from that point, well, how you practice now becomes important. How you recover for the next day session becomes important. What you Absolutely. eat becomes important. How your sleep becomes important. Everything becomes important if you're. You know, if your focus is obviously to win things with your club um, and your country, but within that, there's, there's personal accolades, which if they're there, he's going to get them. He'll, he'll get the records. Yeah. yeah. Some people, this, this comes to your role, and there's no way that you phoned me up and said, Steve, can I come on your podcast to tell you how important I was to Harry's career? 
trust me, listeners, that's not the case. Um, I know that Alex was involved with um, Harry during his YTS days. Of course, he went on, he signed pro, and then he's under others, isn't he? Yeah. So they've all had a part to play. But some people regard the the coach's job to to work a player's game out for him if the player has not already worked it out for himself. Was there any of that with you, with him? No, I don't think I let him... I, I don't think I... I honestly don't think I added much. I tell to put this... For example, he would take a lot of penalties in the youth team. I remember him missing an awful lot. But there was never a thought of taking him off them. Okay. I, okay. I never, ever thought once about taking him off them. Probably because I didn't want that awkward conversation with him because that yeah. wouldn't have gone down well with him. But he would miss his fair share. But that says a confidence, doesn't it? That says a confidence about him. I might have missed this one, but I'm I'm going to get the next. Actually, I'm going to take the next. Yeah, absolutely. So he missed it, one on his debut, Steve. He missed one against Hearts on his debut, and I was there. And there's a little bit of me thinking, why are you taking this? Yeah. Because, but that's how he was. I think he just sort of like, well, of course I'm taking it. I think he won it, yeah. didn't he? He won the penalty and just went and picked the ball up quite confidently yeah. to to take it. Yeah. So, so was that in your... Was that in European competition? Yeah, I think he just saw it as I want to score. You know, yeah. I want to make a... You know, he's, he's been... Um, I, I just think that how he is... So some 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 players might waste their time with how they practice. Either yeah. maybe not quite enough purpose, not enough focus. Sometimes something that's not really relevant. So, you know, I have seen yeah. in the past sort of centre-halves want to take free kicks and you kind of think to yourself, well... Not really sure that's going to get you in the team because I don't know if you're going to, you know, maybe your time is better off spending, spend with your heading, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Harry never wasted, in my opinion, a moment. He never uh, wasted you, a moment in his practice. I used to say that, Alex. Don't waste a day. Yeah. Do not waste a day because the end day, although you don't think it's ever coming, it's becoming closer and closer and closer. Don't waste a day. Yeah. number of times uh, I've watched a team that I'm involved with, the players warm up at half-time and they play that silly circle game and none of them are on their toes. Yeah. None of them are ready for the bad one. And when they come in, I, I give them a bollocking ever before they've gone on the pitch as a substitute because of how they've they've been yeah. not not warming up or not being ready or not having a purpose. And mentally, how was he? Mentally, was he strong? Um, was he? Yeah, I'd say he's probably one of the best I've worked with, but if not the best, you know, there's others I think that. I mean, they're all competitive. You're right. You know, you were competitive, or you know, I think to be a professional football, you've got to be competitive, and there are certainly levels. But I, I describe him as incredibly low maintenance. Um, that's 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 a major fact. Yeah. I think he had incredible support from family in as much as I can't remember a time when they'd come in and wanted this or wanted that or wanted to explain why he was in a team, out of team. I think it was very much a case of, well, go on, you get on with it. Um, so I think he's had really good support in as much as, you know. Back up. Yeah, just just, just trust, real trust. Um, and And um, you mentioned his father. Was his mum ever involved? No, no, no. I mean, I remember I flew to 
can't remember which country. I think oh, I want to say it might have been Portugal. A torch and play for England. And I remember sort of like getting there, you know, sort of airport taxi, go and watch him play. And saw mum and dad in the in the car park. And it's hi Alex, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> but but no more. You know, it was it, there was never a feel. I never felt the need for that. Um, I think he was someone who's. You know, in terms of hurdles, he's had to get over some hurdles, so it hasn't all been plain sailing. I think that he's added layers of resilience to himself over the years. So I think going on loan to Lake Norwich, going on loan to Millwall, Leicester, Norwich. Um, he's certainly done it the hard way. You know, I, I sometimes say some some players take the elevator and some take the stairs. You know, he's he's definitely taken the stairs, isn't he? Because it's yeah, he's good, had to amass good. a few games beforehand. He's had to play for different managers. Certainly not everything has been successful. There's nothing to suggest, you know, and I'd be a liar if I thought, if I said to you, I think he'd done everything that he was going to do, even at 17, 18 or 19, I'd be lying. Because you don't really know with a player until you put them on the big stage and you put them with maybe some good players. You need a little bit of luck to get there. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really know until until they're, until they're there. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think that the years he spent on loan were, were really, really valuable to him really valuable to and would the staff go and watch those loan games would they come back and have an opinion on how he played or what he needs to practice more and would he be training with you all week or would he be with that new club no he'd be with the new club um i think by the time he'd gone alone he probably benefited a little bit from the likes of stephen corker andros townsend ryan mason going on loan before him they they sort of went to yeovil um, yeah and I think he benefited from the fact of we, we go and watch games, but also I think we come to realise that, do you know what? You're not going to see them rip it up. It's it's more about surviving it, having an introduction to football and possibly earning enough football currency in terms of appearances to get yourself another yeah. loan in a slightly better division with slightly better players. Yeah. And I thought that he, you know, so I thought we were quite, we were okay at that stage. We realised, we I think we've been through the path with a couple of the others and recognised that it's going to be a long journey. Um, yeah, and often go alone, come back, play a few games in the reserves. Go, and I thought, um, I thought Tim, you know, Chris and Les were were good for him as well. Mm. One one of the strengths and yet weaknesses of playing at a big club like Tottenham Hotspur is that if you're a young player coming up through the teams on your path to the hopefully the first team. The club at any point could bring in two players or three players in a window above you. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're the same age, you, you, you've signed players from Czechoslovakia and all over the place, haven't you? At, at youth level. Yeah. So, yeah. so that must be so um, uh, crushing for a young player, homegrown. But how is that to fight his way through all of that? All of those players, I mean, I'd like to name them. Tom and Howard could name them like that. The the, the strikers that we bought. Was it was Pavlachenko his his era? Bit Maybe. after. Maybe. Before, sorry, he was before. So yeah. it's Adebayo yeah. or Soldado, I think. Yeah. So so Harry can pick up from these new people coming in. You you mentioned foreign travel. When you see a foreign player come in. Uh, you might pick up some some little trick that he does to lose an opponent or something. So it's not all bad, is it? But when you think you were 
third in line and now you've gone to be fifth in line well you must be crushed and and you need to be strong mentally to deal with that yeah he obviously, he obviously was he obviously I also was. think that harry benefited from being i always thought it was the surprise that was waiting to happen in the end because i think when you're out the building and you're sort of like you're at norwich you're at leicester millwall all the rest of it i'm not even sure he was on anyone's list but the, the most yeah. important thing was he was on Tim's. You know, and Tim I think Sherwood. that's really important because um, I know at the beginning of, of the show, we sort of mentioned about my relationship with you. And, you know, I've learned over the years that your interview probably doesn't happen on the day you step in. Sometimes your interview happens 10 years before or five years before. Very much so. And um, I think the time that Harry spent in the reserves or in the 21s with Tim it allowed him to probably make an impression on him that there was enough faith in him that when he got the job, it yeah. was, go on then, in you go, let's have a look at you. And sometimes you need that. You need it, I think, in the in the first team arena, you need an advocate. You know, you need someone that when the manager or the recruitment staff are saying, come on, we're going to buy him or we're going to get him, you need someone in the room to say, well, actually, before you do that, how about, have a look at him first. Yeah, like him. yeah. Trust him. Yeah, you need you need a sponsor in that room at that yeah. time, at that yeah. moment, on that day. You need a sponsor to make your case. Yeah, and and Tim Sherwood was you, you've just named him was probably yeah. that 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 face. Absolutely, and then you need a bit of luck because when you go in, it's not as if at a club like um, Tottenham or, or Liverpool, where I am now, it's not as if you get ten games to make it happen. You know, it doesn't work that way, does it? You need a little, not, and it's not necessary luck because whether you're a Harry Kane, a Robbie Fowler or a Michael Owen, you've got to go in and at some point you've got to score, I guess, because you've got to let people know that you're there and then hopefully in, in the next yeah. game or the next game after that, you've got to score again. And then there's enough for people to to go on. And yeah. um, I think that's what Harry did from memory. And, and you'd know far better than me, you guys, but I, I think he went in and... And made a, a fairly instant impact. Yeah, yeah. Howard, um, Harry Kane. What? Uh, what's your lasting memory of him? Not that he's finished by any means, but he's <laughs> just right, got no, over. Just yet, he's yeah. just got over a hurdle. What? What's your? What's your memory of him? Any memories well, from from early days? Well, I was wondering if I was actually at the game at Hearts. You were talking about. Okay. Because. It was. It must have been August. It must have been during the the uh, Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, and we went up for the festival. And Spurs were playing Hearts. Yeah, we won five nil there. Yeah, and then and then he missed the penalty at the nil nil return leg at the um at the lane a couple yeah. weeks later. Wow. Okay, so there's no real pressure on it. There was no real pressure on on the. Of course, you want to score a penalty. Of course, you yeah. do. But uh, there's no real pressure on the score line, was there? No, but Harry Harry's impress impresses me so much, and the stuff that Alex was just saying, very much is what I feel about I've always felt about him watching him come off the field. You know he's given his his hundred percent. You know yes. he'll do, he'll take the penalties the way we were saying he would take the penalties, and he he just has continued to grow, in one form or another year by year. Yeah, this year he's got more goals than he got last year in the same period of time. But he doesn't seem to be having as much influence some of the time. Yeah. So he, uh, he just has a fantastic response. Um, the, the way he comes after something, the way he goes to each each match, each 
confrontation. Um, he, he improves as he goes along, which is quite incredible. Yeah, yeah. Top, top line, isn't he? Top line. I'm sure, you know, if Jimmy Greaves was alive, he'd be delighted for Harry that yeah, he's beat yeah. his Spurs record. Okay, Jimmy scored other goals elsewhere. Of course he did. Um, I'm not going to say the same from him from my point of view as per appearances. And uh, Alex, if you ever speak to him, I want you to tell him that I'm prepared to give him 10 appearances for every goal. If he if he pushes me to 20, okay, I might I might have to take it. But um, but yeah. And um, you know, it, the, the confidence that he's got in his own ability is was quite quite amazing, really, wasn't it? I, Tom, what did you think of him when you first saw him? Um, I mean, it would have been the the, the Hearts game. I'd read a lot about him doing, you know, scoring lots of goals for the for, for the youth team and um and and the uh, yeah the the, the younger the younger um teams in in at Tottenham. Um, the first time I saw him was that Hearts game. Um, and yeah, we look he looked confident, but obviously missed a penalty, and then we didn't really see him for for two or three years after that. He went um, out yeah. on um on his on his loans, and he was um he was actually on the pitch when Troy Deeney scored his um uh that last minute uh Watford goal against Leicester, wasn't he? After the um there he's... but okay. um but then he comes back to Spurs. And I remember like he set that he set um Eric Dyer's debut goal up with a a nice through ball against West Ham in Poch's first game, and then he just went he just had a period where he was. Just, I think the the Chelsea game New, on New Year's Day, two thousand fifteen, was the one where he kind of came of age um, in terms of just like doing it on 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 a big stage against quality opposition. Um, yeah. Arsenal a few weeks later, he scored two goals, and and then the next two seasons, the seasons where we we were essentially in the title race both both years, he was just scoring week after week after week, and every game you're expecting him to score. Yeah. yeah, one or two goals, and and I was just kind of waiting for it to end. I was waiting, thinking like he's good, he's so good, but this must be just like a purple patch, and then the purple patch just got longer and longer and longer, and then you eventually kind of realised that, um, God, this this player who couldn't, yeah, who who was out, who was farmed out on loan to, to to Leicester and Orient and and Norwich is actually come back, and he's becoming a world class player for our club. He's come through the youth team. Yeah, you, know, you just never see that. You never see a a, a player have such an impact, um, goal scoring wise, especially from from your youth team. And he just ended up. Yeah, I yeah. just love him. I absolutely love yeah. him. He's just every every. He he's the main reason I I enjoy paying to go and watch Spurs every 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 couple of weeks because he's um he just gets better and better. And and as Howard says, he kind of adds something to his game almost every season. You know, like he his first. I remember like his first um. His early, his early goals for Spurs all seem to be in Europe, and they all seem to be kind of like just outside the box, dragging it across the the keeper's other side, uh, the other yeah, side of the keeper. Yeah, yeah. And and then um and then he started scoring more kind of poachers' goals, and and then you you start seeing him, yeah. Particularly, I, I'm thinking of like the Everton Everton at White Hart Lane in the last season there, and Burnley a couple of years ago at the New Stadium, just leathering it from outside the box. Um, I mean, just imagine if he could score free kicks. Yeah, I think. I think, speaking from experience, it's a tough gig being a homegrown player at Tottenham. It's a very tough gig. Sure. You've got to have something. You've got to have some sort of confidence in yourself or strong mentality. And when 
the Tottenham crowd take to you, that's it. They give power to your legs. You you feel like a king. You feel like a king when you're when you're on that White Art Lane pitch in my days or whatever it's called now. So uh, they've obviously got that affinity with uh, with uh, Harry, haven't they? They trust him. He trusts the crowd. I want to read you some words from Potticino. Potticino about Harry. The first time we spoke to Harry, we saw it and felt his potential. We could see some of the details that gave him the potential to become one of the best strikers in England. Some of them were psychological. We saw the determination in Harry's mind, the way he thought about football and understood the game. We saw his capacity to learn and evolve so he could reach the required level. Some of the details were technical, how he touched the ball, how he struck the ball when he shot. But seeing the potential is one thing. The rest was a lot of hard work. We had to spend time with Harry, convincing him he could get to the level that we believed he could. We had to work on him physically, outrunning and in the gym. Fortunately, Harry was clever. He understood his body, its qualities and its limits. He understood how to look after himself. Do you think that was natural, how, uh, Alex, or do you think that was taught to him about the, the conditioning of the body and how you look after yourself and care for yourself? I think Harry's always had a really good sense of self-awareness. So I think he's adapted his game through the years because, you know, I think he's a nice expression that Steve I used to talk about someone being quick enough. You know, he's quick enough and he's strong enough. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, but he's not, um, I think he knows what he is and what he isn't. I think he was also, I think, I think Harry was quite well, um, I think he was, he was fortunate. I think Harry himself would say that he was fortunate to be in a youth team where I thought the standards were really, really high. The standards of professionalism, standards of you know looking after yourself, and I think for a young one to come into a group sometimes where if you're around that environment, you, you can become a product of it. So I'm not for one yeah. second suggesting he wouldn't have been that way if he wasn't in that group. But I think it gave him a nice introduction into full-time football where he was around boys like Andros and John Abika and Sam Cox and people like that, who um, Ryan Mason, etc., who all were really good at. You know, very, very professional and all self-starters, really motivated and all competitive themselves because they wanted to be the best and they were competitive with each other. Yeah. So I think sometimes you can be quite fortunate to be in a youth team or a, you know, a sort of like an under 17s, 18s group because obviously they come together at that time. So I think you can be quite fortunate with who you're in there with. And I thought Harry was, um, I'm sure he, he'd probably nod in the direction of those boys that he was, that he was uh, coming through the youth team with because... You know, I thought they were a really, a really good influence on him. Um, How many of that group became internationals, Alex? Oh, gosh. Um, Corker was an international. Yeah. Um, Andros. Yeah. Um, midfield was would have been around that, I think. Yeah, midfield um, Blair, uh, West Brom. Yeah. Who am um, I talking about, Tom? Livermore. Jay, Jay Livermore. Livermore, yeah. yeah. Howard. Good one, Howard. Thank you. Did Livermore yeah. play and, for England? Yeah, I think so. Ryan Mason had a cap because I remember that the, there was um it was it was was it the goal the game where Deli Ali scored 
against France, maybe, and they were all and and it was like you saw all the Spurs lads around him, like Mason, Harry, and Eric. Corker scored against Sweden, didn't he? Yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, of course he did. Wow, that's amazing, Alex. You you've done well there. Well, I think the real credit, if I'm honest, I think should go to. So I don't. Well, like I said, it's not. I I know the part that I played, and I think if you'd asked me the same question ten years ago, I'd have probably wanted to claim a little bit more. <laughs> I do. I think a little bit more grey hair. You, you sort of like you, you recognise the part you didn't play, if you like. Yeah. I think the person who's probably undersung in all of it is John McDermott. You yeah. Know, I think John McDermott as an academy. You know, I'm in a similar position now at Liverpool, and I think you realise that you know John would have would have seen that. Um, 13 year old Harry Kane who would have been a constant in his life you know, he, you know I dipped in and out of it I guess really because if he was with me he was with me and if he wasn't he was with someone else whereas John would have been an, like an overarching um, mentor to, to Harry throughout many many years and I'm sure even now you know John's technical director at the FA and I'm sure that you know he still has an influence on Harry today so I think that you know, whilst John wouldn't probably want to take any more credit than is there, I, I would say yeah. that that's been a very ongoing uh, mentorship, friendship throughout the years. So, as per as per what you just said there about John, in your current role at Leicester, what age groups are you dealing with? Liverpool. So, yeah. Um, um, uh, I deal with so we 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 signed them officially at nine, and then obviously you go right the way through to twenty ones. But you know, like I, said, I think with John, I've had a good mentor, so I'd still like to. I still keep in touch with Trent and Curtis, Curtis Jones, obviously Trent Alexander Arnold, and uh, sure. you know all the boys that are up in the first team at the minute, um, whether they're playing or you know whatever they're doing with the first team. Then you know, I still are the ones out on loan. It's uh, so I think really the role is from nine right the way through till <laughs> you know to your players. Till they leave. I'm still in touch with they a lot of the Tottenham lads as well. I'm, I'm very lucky that you know I still speak to an awful lot of the boys that I work with there. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, just going back to Tottenham, who did you serve under as managers? So I arrived with Martin Yol, and yeah. then it was Juan de Ramos, and then it was Harry Redknapp, and then Andre Villaboas, and then I moved a little bit further north to Liverpool. During his time, so you didn't work with Tim Sherwood. I worked with Tim as an under twenty. He was a, okay. He would have been the under twenty ones or reserve team coach as it was then, and then but of course Tom Allen moved up with Harry to the to the first team. Yeah, but not as manager. You you weren't dealing with Tim as manager. No, no, no. He he followed out. I left when um, I think Andre hadn't long taken the job. I think it was only sort of like a couple of months in. Yeah, when I had the opportunity to move north, and some managers, no names. Some managers are more interested in the youth team than others, in terms of they're too far away from me. They're not gonna, they're not gonna worry about my my career. I've got to look after this. Yeah, and to be fair, I think that also depends on what they inherit and where, what sort of you know. I think there's a couple of the list there that probably inherited a struggling team that that probably you know didn't, that they felt didn't they need youngsters. Sorry, yeah. didn't need youngsters. No, no, probably didn't. You know, at that stage, it's not what you needed to do. And and also, to be fair, maybe we didn't have youngsters at that point that were ready to put in and give them opportunities. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I think that there has to be almost like a perfect storm of there are boys capable of playing in the team and there's an opportunity for the boys to play in the team. And I guess sure. you've also got to have a manager that's like-minded and wants to play them in the team. So, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that 
you know, it's 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 a hard level, isn't it? You know, sort of if you if you're trying to break into a Premier League team at the minute, whether that's Tottenham or Liverpool, that's a big ask for a child. You know, that's a yeah. really big ask. Yeah. Um, and and you have to accept that, like I say, that most of them, not all of them, some people get to go in straight away, and you know, it's that they are the anomaly. You know, the sort of like the Trents or the who else would have done that? Probably Fabregas, Rooney down the years that can just sort of like go straight in and, and never need another experience. I think that's becoming harder and harder to do. Yeah. Can I just give you a story about um, Des Walker? Yeah. I'm in the team. We were, for some reason, training on a Sunday. The under-15s were playing against somebody at Cheson. Instead of walking in, I stopped on the touchline and watched the rest of this game. And then afterwards, and I stayed out again, Afterwards, there was a meeting between Keith Birkinshaw, the manager, and the younger element of the club, coaches-wise. And they were discussing the players that had just seen play, and it was the last day for yes or no to become a YTS player. And it came to Des Walker. And he got four no's. And the last one to, to judge was uh, Robbie Stepney, who's a particular friend of mine. God bless him, he's gone. Having heard the four no's, Robbie said, you must be stupid. You're saying no on the strength of you. You, you thought he was, used to be quick, and now he's gone average pace. Well, I'm telling you, he's going to be quick again because you can't judge this youngster's body. You don't know what that body is going through, and I think I do. So if you get rid of this kid, for not being quick enough, that is the worst decision you've ever made. Anyway, he couldn't change their minds. And the next time we went to Forest, he was uh, leaning on a broom, ready to sweep the tunnel when the players come in for the warm-up and whatever. There's what you're doing here. Got a phone call, Steve, and invited me up and they signed me. The next time we went to, to Forest, the next year, he played against us. Wow. And was probably mad at a match. Yeah. So, so youth development has come a long way, hasn't it? Since You'd I've... like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> there's still there's still a lot of stories like that. I think that the hardest years to judge are always when a boy's going through his growth, because sometimes you can't recognise them. You know, I, I mean, I remember um, Ryan Mason. It was an outstanding youth team player, and a really—I yes, yes. mean—I still speak to Ryan. He's—he's a—he's a really, really good man. I'm very proud yeah. of him for where he's doing, from what he's doing now. He was an outstanding finisher, a really, really good finisher. Was he? One year he went from—he he grew that much, and suddenly he lost. It's as if it was like his body wasn't his own anymore. Couldn't strike the ball cleanly. He scuffed everything. You know, timing, timing, timing goes. The, the ball's that much it's further balanced. away from you now. So you've got it's to balanced. recalibrate and give yourself time again. And you, yeah. you lose pace, you lose power, you can lose confidence. Sometimes boys go through that at different stages. Um, but they all become men at some point. They all start shaving. And, you know, I yeah. think you have to, I suppose what you try and become is a bit of a fortune teller, don't you? You look at the boy yeah. and you've got to see the man. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the trick. I've always said that there's a mistake waiting around every corner in youth development. Yeah. Around every corner. Absolutely. If you if you think you're not going to make a mistake, guess what you are. 
I guess if there weren't mistakes, then everyone would just be everyone would just have great players coming through. Yeah, you know, that, that no, no one would ever leave, would they? It would always be uh, your team would always be made up of brilliant youth players. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was so really, it's a good um, thing. It's a good thing Des Walker did leave in the end, else we might not have won the FA Cup in ninety one. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Alex, been really good to talk to you. Um, yeah, Alex, um, a friend of mine gave me an idea the other day. You know when young players are released, you can imagine the the downturn in their confidence and their their life. They have they've had this dream. They're going there at your club. They're going to follow Trent into yeah. the team and they're going to do this. Is there is there any way that clubs, I mean, I've just thrown this at you, it's a new one, but some sort of insurance that, that gives these kids a soft landing that they haven't got to go from going to be somebody, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a somebody, to actually bang, hitting the floor, coming down with a bang. Yeah, I think... I think it's a very, it's a really interesting subject. I'm very, and I'm really passionate about it. Um, I think it has to be a collective effort. So I think that if you want a child's personality to be more than just a footballer, then the parents have also got to take responsibility for making sure that the messages at home are that your identity is more than just being Steve, the footballer. You know, yeah. you've, got to, you've got to be more than that. Um, we're trying to do something at, at Liverpool with an alumni that I'm quite proud of in as much as um, I've always believed that if you get to be a scholar with us, then, you know, we owe it to you. I think, you know, you should become you know, a part of an alumni where we will actually give you a phone call once, twice, two, whatever it's going to be, three times a year for the rest of your life. So it's a lifelong commitment. And the reason why it should be a lifelong commitment is I think we, we sometimes worry when they leave and actually the problem might just be further down the line. I think sometimes it's when you fall out the footballing pyramid. It's, it's after your third or set, you know, maybe your second or third footballing contract. You're 25, you, you no longer have a club and suddenly it's like you're in your mid-20s and what do you do for a career now? So we, yeah. we want to try and help the boys in that, in that situation and we have, um, you know, they'll, they'll get regular phone calls and what we'll try and do is just be the best signposting that we can because often what you need is just someone to say, look, come on, you know, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this course? Can you, do you want to come in and speak to them? Do you want, so I suppose it's under the whole thing. The idea for me was that, you know, I hear you'll never walk alone sung enough. It's, you've actually got to live it at some point. It's a lot easier to sing than to live. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I do think, you know, part of being or wanting to be a correct club or, you know, or, or try and do the best that you can for the people there. Is to look after look after your own in the best way that you possibly can. So, um, I suppose, in a way, Julian used to say at Exeter that ninety nine percent of the youngsters are not going to make it. The one percent, you don't have to look after him. He's he's <laughs> looking after himself now, and we're yeah. looking after him. And he, you know, he's probably got an agent now, and he's probably, of course, got all these people surrounding him, which I'm sure applies to a lot of your players. Um, it's the ninety nine percent you have to look after, as per yeah. their education and and putting them in the direction of the next purpose. Absolutely, and if and if academies do it correctly, then you'd like to think that. And it's not always the case because you can't take away the. I'm not sure you can ever sort of like have that softer landing that you're going to take away the pain of being released sure. or rejected. It, it kind sure. of 
is a part of it. It's not like school. You don't get released from school if you don't pass an exam. You know, unfortunately in football, that, that isn't that isn't an element of it. But what you really hope is that with a little bit of time and reflection that they recognise all the things that the fo- that football may have given them. Um, yeah. You know, whether that's travelling the world, just competing against other boys your age, you know, whether it's... Yeah whether it's sort of like a discipline that maybe you can take forward to the rest of your life around being on time, getting up early, whether it's about just taking an interest in your body and, you know, health and nutrition, Um, or even if it's just something that I think that we don't do quite well enough is I think we always, the focus can't be White Hart Lane or Anfield um, all the time. Sometimes you've got to say, well, you're one of a very select few to play in the under 13s. What you're doing already, you've, you've kind of won already, you know, you, I understand that there's something further on the line that is a is a real dream, but yeah. you're one of a very select number of boys that can play for Tottenham Hotspurs under 13s. Yeah. Well done yeah. and enjoy it because you know you, yeah. no one can never take that away from you. It's an incredible achievement. Yeah. Is there um is there room in the current day for hard talk, man talk? Oh. Or or is it something that's gone to the game. I'm thinking about Bill Nicholson and Keith Birkenshaw in their Yorkshire ways. The one club that I would say from my past that might have been a bit more man talk than anyone else was Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I think there is still, there's definitely room for it. I think what you're talking about is, um, is honesty. You know, yeah. how honest can you be with someone? So I think to be honest with someone I don't think that's really changed. I think first off, you've got to earn the right to be honest with someone. So I think you've got to engage with them. You know, we we will work off something called engaged challenge support. So I think you've got to earn the right in the first instance to be honest with someone. And yeah. then when you're honest with someone, I think you've got to be constructive, and it's and it should be based on facts, not always necessarily feeling. Um, and it should probably also be linked to potential. So, you know, if you've got a boy that you think possibly isn't going to stay the course, then how honest do you really need to be? You know, is that not just about support and comfort and making, you know, that, that sort of that yeah. person feel feel better? So I think that once you engage with them and you challenge, then you're obliged to support. So I think that there's definitely room for honest conversations. And I think that the, the best players only want honest conversations. You know, I yeah. can't think for one second that Harry wouldn't have wanted anything. I, I think I'd have, I'm not sure he'd want to be in touch if he didn't, you know, if he didn't feel like he was getting an honest conversation, um, yeah, your best ones use it. I think. Yeah, I, I think the honesty is the route to the improvement. Yeah, and the acceptance of being spoken to in an honest way. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Um, my brother was was my mentor as a young player, and led me into leadership and captaincy and just knowledge of the game as such and he wasn't a coach and he wasn't a teacher he had intelligence that's for sure um but at 22 years of age he said to me steve um i'm not going to watch you play again why's that he said because you used to be a footballer now you're just a runner (laughs) and i said ted with respect who am i going to listen to you or bill nicholson because so I was I was fulfilling a role for him by being the runner within a, a very good team of players, and um, and yet you know I needed that honesty because he was he was thinking about me 
He wasn't thinking about Tottenham winning yeah. the next yeah. game, as Bill Nick had to think about. He was thinking about me and my game and my development. And well, he think, saw that going backwards. Well, I think, Steve, to that, I think, in my experience, children especially, but adults as well, they tend to sort of like go for the path of least resistance. So, you know, what you're describing with your brother, I think, is, you know, if, if, if you've got lots and lots of opinions coming at you, and his is that, there's a chance that a young kid will say, well, actually, do you know what? I don't want to hear that. I'll go to someone that's telling me how great I am. Take the easy one. Yeah. And I think that if you to say what's one of the biggest changes in football over the last 10 years, it's the amount of adult voices surrounding a child. Because now it could be a personal coach. It could be full-time coach at your age group. It could be an analyst. It could be a sports scientist. It could be an agent. It's going to be your parents. It might be a mentor that you've got as well. And all I do know is that when you've got 10 voices around a kid, they're going to follow the path of least resistance. It's obvious they're going to go to the ones who tell them what they kind of want to hear. Yeah. Um, what you've yeah. just described with your brother is, it doesn't sound like you had loads of voices in um, no. No. in your footballing development. You know, if, Absolutely. If you've got two, if you've got Bill Nick and your brother, it sounds to me like that's pretty yeah. good. I'm fairly well looked after there. Yeah, exactly. You're covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fascinating to talk to you, Alex. Thank you very much. Um, we want to wish you best of luck with your job at uh, Liverpool there. Um, keep talking, keep phoning each other. Um, chaps, have you enjoyed our talk? Very interesting. Thanks Fascinating. Lot, yeah, thank you very much. Really enjoyed it. Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Really. Okay, really Alex, regards to your family. And um, chaps, we've got... At the weekend, we've got Leicester. Leicester away. Yeah. The spirit of Stephen Bergwijn. Uh, the two goals last year. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's Harry's favourite club, isn't it? He always scores against them, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, does he? Always. Well, this has been a celebration helped by Alex Inglethorpe, a celebration of Harry's breaking the record of the great, the majestic, the genius that was Jimmy Greaves. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening and thank you for, for tuning in. And remember, come on, you Spurs. Mm-hmm.